Hello and welcome to the Rational National Podcast. I'm your host, David Dole. Coming up on today's episode, I have uh, four separate YouTube segments for you. The first one, Bernie rips Joe Biden's middle ground at California convention, followed by breakdown, centrist 2020 candidates get booed off stage, followed by Bernie finally admits what we all already know, and uh, last up, Andrew Scheer squirms as comedian nails him. Now, before we get to these segments, I just want to briefly discuss something that I find to be uh, a little crazy that I'm likely not going to be able to get to in a YouTube video because I don't know if it really uh, necessitates an entire YouTube video for it. But that's the idea that comes up every year. Every year when we get to Gay Pride Month or these gay pride parades, some idiots come out saying, well... Why can't we have straight pride? Why can't there be a a straight pride parade? Okay. (laughs) I'm going to engage this ridiculous argument on good faith. Let's pretend you actually think this. Is it... uh, (laughs) I'm just... it's, It's hard to engage this seriously because it's such a stupid comment. But it's because... There is no need for straight pride. Straight people have not been persecuted. Straight people have not been endlessly bashed for the eternity of human existence. Straight people have not had to deal with serious uh, human rights abuses. I mean... How could this not be obvious to you? The whole point of, uh, of gay pride is to give uh, LGBT people a, a space, give them space to celebrate and be happy with, with who they are and push back against all the negativity that has been thrown at them their entire lives. I mean, th- this... Anybody coming out pushing for a straight pride parade, it, it, it reminds me of like, you know, <laughs> I don't know if this happened in your family, it happened in, in, in our family, definitely. When, um, uh, I'll use my, my cousins as examples just to throw them under the bus. Well, when they're younger, the, the older one has a birthday, right? Like say, you know, the, the eight-year-old has a birthday. Well, the five-year-old... The, the brother of the cousin feels jealous because the, the eight-year-old has a birthday. Well, then the parents also get the five-year-old a gift <laughs> on, on their brother's birthday, even though it's not their birthday, just so the five-year-old doesn't feel left out. I mean, that's what it feels like. The, these, these people, these straight people pushing for straight pride it, are like these children that are like, well, how about me? How about my pride? Why don't you celebrate who I am? It's like, when in your life have you felt threatened because you were straight? It's so goddamn stupid. Uh, I I don't understand how these people, how people this dumb exist. I mean, it's it has to be purely based on emotion, on something lacking in their own lives. Maybe, you know, maybe they had a, a, a horrible upbringing, and 
they feel left out at all times. I, I don't know. <laughs> there's there's something psychological going on there because that is the only explanation. When you think about this logically for half a second, it makes absolutely no sense to push for straight pride. It, it is so fucking stupid. But with that said, <laughs> let me get to uh, these YouTube segments. So uh, the first one, again, just to go over them. Bernie rips Joe Biden's middle ground at California convention, followed by breakdown centrist 2020 candidates get booed off stage, followed by Bernie finally admits what we all already know and ending on Andrew Scheer squirms as comedian nails him. Enjoy. We have got to make it clear that when the future of the planet is at stake, there is no middle ground. All right, so Bernie Sanders showed up to the uh, California Democratic Party convention to give a speech. Now, this speech was largely focused on how to defeat Donald Trump, or I should say the best way to defeat Donald Trump. And while doing so, Bernie appeared to take some shots at Joe Biden. Now, while you're watching this video, also keep in mind that Biden did not show up to this event. Watch. All of us are united in defeating Trump but let me be frank with you and raise the issue that I think is on everyone's mind. And that is, what is the best way to defeat Trump? As, as you all know, as you all know, there is a debate among presidential candidates who have spoken to you here in this room and those who have chosen for whatever reason not to be in this room. We have got to make it clear that when the future of the planet is at stake, there is no middle ground. We will take on the fossil fuel industry and transform our energy system. We have got to make it clear that when this country drifts toward oligarchy, there is no middle ground. Large profitable corporations like Amazon will pay their fair share of taxes. When it comes to health care, there is no middle ground. Health care is a human right, not a privilege. And we will guarantee health care to all of our people through a Medicare for all single payer system. All right, so... Uh... A big reaction there from uh, the crowd to Bernie's speech. He went on in the speech to, to uh, talk about no middle ground on practically every other uh, issue. So I'll link to the full speech below the video if you want to watch uh, Bernie's in entire speech. But um, so th there is an obvious reference to to Joe Biden here, the, the middle ground aspect of this. So Biden's campaign is looking for middle ground on issues, including climate policy. So... This is according to Biden's own campaign. So Biden's campaign is saying they're looking for middle ground because, you know, that wasn't already tried in 2016 and completely failed in the face of Donald Trump. Uh, I mean, 
if what you care about is defeating Donald Trump, Joe Biden is the worst candidate you could possibly vote for. This is somebody that is Hillary 2.0. In fact, Biden is worse on these issues than Hillary Clinton is. So this idea that you're going to, what, appeal to conservative voters? How many times does it have to be showed to be a complete uh, failure of strategy? Conservative voters come out every election and they vote for the Republican. What Democrats have to do is actually excite their base. And you do that with a bold message, with a new message, and a message that actually speaks to what the American people want. So when you look at polling on any of these issues, on Medicare for All, the vast majority of Americans support it. When it comes to a climate change policy, the vast majority of Americans want to do something about climate change. When it comes to raising taxes on the wealthiest and large corporations, the vast majority of Americans support that. So this is how you reach out to people who don't normally vote. You actually run on something that they have not seen in a candidate before and someone that has a track record of doing so and a strategy to do it by through this this political revolution where you get people uh, up out of their their couches and out protesting and pushing their various uh, senators or Congress people on these issues. So Bernie talked about this actually in a recent interview with uh, the Young Turks where he talked about his strategy to get this done. No other candidate has this kind of strategy. They can all have similar positions, like Elizabeth Warren has a lot of similar positions that, that Bernie does, except for foreign policy. But uh, again, this is one of the many reasons why I think Bernie's a better choice over Elizabeth Warren. Uh, foreign policy is one of those reasons. But really the main reason is that Bernie actually has a strategy and a, uh, an approach that other candidates are not taking. And that approach is actually exciting a base of Americans to become active, become political, and actually push the various politicians in their area to support these various issues. So the interview that, that Bernie had with uh, uh, TYT, he mentioned how as president, Bernie would go to West Virginia as one example to try and influence the senator there, try and influence Joe Manchin, who he knows would not support a Medicare for all bill. But if he's there in his state, getting his uh, getting Manchin's voters active in that state, supporting Medicare for all, then they're going to be under some uh, more political pressure than they're used to. Now, I also want to uh, just share this from Common Dream. So the uh, the no middle ground uh, uh, hashtag became uh, viral on Twitter. So the tweets from Sanders backers and other uh, others quickly made no middle ground a trending Twitter topic in the U.S. Sanders remarks demanding an unabashedly bold progressive agenda were also applauded at the California Democratic Party convention in San Francisco, where the Vermont senator received a standing ovation while calls for moderation by Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper and former Representative John Delaney were panned by many in the crowd. And I'm going to have a video on that, a separate video on that as well, because those... <laughs> It, it's funny to see centrists on stage saying something that they think that they're told is a popular position to be moderate. They're told by all the mainstream press whenever they're on a show like Morning Joe, oh, moderation is key. Yet they go in front of a bunch of voters and say that and get booed. It's a wake-up call for these candidates that have absolutely no idea what voters actually want. Now, um, California here. So it's important to keep in mind that California is going to be a more important 
uh, primary state this time around than it was last time. So the Golden State primary, which is open to independents, is due to take place on Super Tuesday, March 3rd. The early timing of the contest gives the state greater influence over the Democratic primary than it had in 2016, when its voting was held in June. So because California is an early voting state and it's also open to independents, there is a massive potential here for whoever is able to win that state. And right now, it appears that uh, Biden and Bernie are up ahead of everybody else. But however that plays out, whoever wins that state, it's going to be a massive boon to that candidate. And just based on the California voters who were at this convention, Bernie got the most excitement. He got the most applause. And it's because, again, he is presenting something that very few or really no other candidates in this race are offering. Socialism is not the answer. I was reelected. So this past weekend was the California Democratic Party convention. And a lot of 2020 candidates showed up, not all of them. So Joe Biden and a few others didn't show up. But um, a couple here that did show up and maybe probably shouldn't have shown up is uh, John Delaney and John Hickenlooper. So these two gave their uh, their boring speeches about their about pragmatism, about being a moderate and how that's the way forward and got booed because of it. So first, let me show you uh, the video of John Delaney here. And look, in addition to showing you these videos, I'm going to break down exactly why they were booed. And in the case of uh, at least Delaney here, why anybody even knows who he is at all. But uh, here we go. Let's start with uh, John Delaney getting booed for saying that Medicare for all is not the answer. But we need, as Democrats, to build an economy that works. But it's got to be with smart policies. Medicare for all may sound good, but it's actually not good policy, nor is it good politics. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, a hundred, we, we should have universal health care. We should have universal health care. We should have universal health care. We should have universal health care, but it shouldn't be a kind of health care that kicks 150 million Americans off their health care. That's not smart policy. All right. John Delaney is a moron. Now, I say this because he is. <laughs> but I say it for him in particular over other candidates because I don't even necessarily think that he's against Medicare for all because he's corrupted, even though that is the case for the vast majority of uh, the members of Congress. For John, uh, for John Delaney, first of all, he, he is a former member of Congress, so he's not even currently uh, currently in government. But I think he takes this position because he's stupid, honestly. And I'm going to show you why I think he's stupid. Before I get there, let me just address, I guess, the, the one argument he brings up there, how uh, taking... Uh, millions off of private insurance that have it through their employer is a terrible idea. It would be replaced by better health care. 
I've talked about Medicare for all over and over because I'm Canadian. I have a personal experience with a single payer healthcare system. In a Medicare for all system, even if you have healthcare through your employer, you would have better healthcare through a Medicare for all system because first of all, it would mean no extra cost. So there's no no um, no copays, no deductibles, none of that crap. It's just it's free at the point of use. And on top of that, the Medicare for all uh, bill that's being proposed by Bernie and uh, Jayapal in the in the House has more. It 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 includes more healthcare than what most people have, like include including dental coverage and and eye care. So this idea that people are going to be thrown off their private insurance and everything's going to be crazy, no, people will have it replaced by a better system that also gives you the freedom to choose your own doctor. Regardless, because there is no there is no longer doctors stuck to uh, certain insurance companies. The, I think it's like ninety one percent of doctors are on the current Medicare system, but in a Medicare for all system, I'd imagine that number would go even higher because everybody would be on <laughs> that one system. So it gives you more freedom as the actual person that has the health care, and also gives you extra freedom in terms of. So if you have health care through your employer, but you don't like your job, maybe you want to start a business. A Medicare for all system gives you the freedom to leave your job and not have to worry about how you're going to get health care. So, look, I've gone through the benefits over and over again. I'll continue doing it. But let's just put aside the fact that him saying it's not good policy is obviously great policy. But even the other part of here, not good politics. The majority of even conservative voters support Medicare for all. So explain to me how that's not good politics when even conservative voters are on the side of Medicare for all. Now, I told you I would explain why I think John Delaney is more stupid than corrupt. Here's exactly why. So if you look at his source of funds throughout his uh, uh, his career in, in government, he is largely self-funded, giving himself $15 million over the course of his uh, campaigns. And why was he able to do that? Well, because his estimated net worth is over $230 million. So John Delaney is what I call a dumb rich guy. In his particular area where he started his business, I'm sure he's he's very intelligent, knows what he's doing. But when it comes to anything else, he is an idiot. But because he's able to self-fund his campaigns... That's why anybody even knows who John Delaney is. Now, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I was kind of surprised that she tweeted this out, but I'm glad she did, and I hope we see more of this from her. So she tweeted out in response to John Delaney, Since there's so many people running for president and not enough for Senate, instead of obsessing over who's a frontrunner, maybe we can start with some general eliminations. This awful, untrue line got booed for a full minute. John Delaney, thank you, but please sashay away. So there you go. Some harsh words uh, from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for uh, John Delaney. Now, let's get to John Hickenlooper, who was also booed at this convention when he discussed how socialism is not the answer. Socialism is not the answer. I was re-elected. I was re-elected in a purple state in 2014 one of the worst years for Democrats in a quarter century. I was 
You know, if we're not careful, we're going to end up helping to reelect the worst president in American history. We should not try to tackle climate change by guaranteeing every American a government job. Hold on, hold on. As the Democratic Party, we have to create a vision for this country. I want to give Americans a reason to look forward to tomorrow. All right. <laughs> John Hickenlooper getting booed for a number of reasons at this convention. Before I, I uh, address this video, let me just show you another angle uh, of his first statement that I want to talk about. Before I go in on uh, John Hickenlooper as well, I just want to say, I guess you have to hand it to these guys for showing up here and saying this. I mean, maybe they thought these would be applause lines, or maybe they knew that they would get booed and they went in there in the lines then anyway. So uh, whatever it is, uh, I guess they're kind of brave <laughs> for standing up there and sounding completely out of touch. But apart from that, this was just a complete waste of time for these two to show up. So this idea that uh, you're going to reelect Trump if you're not careful. If you're not careful and you go so far left, you're going to reelect Trump. How did that work last time? I mean, how short are the memories on these people? Hillary Clinton was the ultimate centrist, the ultimate moderate. You could even say in many ways she's actually a conservative. But... She lost. <laughs> so she ran the exact campaign that these two would dream of. And she lost doing so. I mean, what more do you need to know? The Democratic Party lost over a thousand seats over the course of eight years under Obama and Pelosi's rule on this same boring centrism, on this pragmatism, on always reaching across the aisle and moving all the discussions to the right. They continued to lose seats. How much more evidence do you need? So again, it's it's always important to uh, to acknowledge here that oftentimes these candidates know exactly that they are wrong, but they have something to sell people based on the donations that they're receiving from these these certain uh, these uh, special interests. So that may be the case in Hick uh, for Hickenlooper. Again, I think John Delaney is just dumb. Hickenlooper, maybe it's a combination of him being dumb and corrupt. I don't know, <laughs> but they're wrong in their strategy. If you care about winning, playing or doing the exact same thing that Hillary Clinton did is not the way to win, as we already saw. Now, let's just be let's be super fair, though. Let's look at the polling. Let's see what the polling tells us. Maybe maybe this this uh, strategy from these two candidates are incredibly popular with uh, with voters. So when we look at the real clear politics uh, poll average for the uh, presidential nomination for uh, 2020, we see that uh, they're at both 0.5%. <laughs> so Hickenlooper and Delaney can't even hit 1% support right now. So understand here, this conversation, the, the political conversation, the, the window of, of this discussion, the Overton window, has been on the right for the past at least 20 years. It's all these discussions, especially in the, in the press, in the mainstream press, has been framed from a right-wing position. Now, how do I know that? Look at this clip from back in March that maybe possibly influenced Hickenlooper to be a little more um, 
open about him being a capitalist and angry about socialism. Governor Hickenlooper, who has done very well in life because he started up this beer company in Denver, became mayor, became the governor of the state, has benefited from capitalism. He couldn't say that he was a capitalist because he was worried about that label. I think it's a statement about where the Democratic Party is. My God, if you're afraid to say you're a capitalist in America, I'm just going to tell you, people on the left tweeting today may not like it. Let me just let me let you in on a little secret. If that is a crisis for your party, you're going to lose in 2020. Just, you know what, pull up the, 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 the stakes on the tent and just pack her up. I find Donald Trump reprehensible as a human being, but a socialist candidate is more dangerous to this company, country as far as the strength and well-being of our country than Donald Trump. A socialist candidate is more dangerous to this company, I mean country, than Donald Trump. I covered this uh, this segment back in March when they aired this. So Hickenlooper went on earlier in the show and would refuse to say that he was a capitalist. And this was a huge deal on, on Morning Joe. Oh, how can Hickenlooper not, not admit that he's a capitalist? This is the Democratic Party is going to go down in ruins if they go this direction. Yet they already were going down in ruins. They, they lost in 2016. They lost over a thousand seats over the course of eight years. The Democratic Party is already doing terrible. So maybe a new direction is the way to go. And if you look at actual data, there is some research on this, deep research on this, that backs that up. So Salon covered this. There is hard data that shows that a centrist Democrat would be a losing candidate. Economist Thomas Piketty wrote a paper about this in 2018, though the Democrats paid no attention. The mounds of data to which I refer comes from Thomas Piketty, the French political economist who made waves with his 2013 book, Capital in the 21st Century. This paper, entitled Brahmin Left versus Merchant Right, Rising Inequality and the Changing Structure of Political Conflict, analyzes around 70 years of post-election surveys from three countries, Britain, the United States, and France, to comprehend how Western politics have changed in that span. First, the sheer amount of data analyzed in Piketty's paper is stunning. He and his researchers analyzed voters in those three countries by income, education, party, gender, religion, and income disparity. The final 106 pages of the paper consist of graphs and charts. This is a seriously detailed data analysis that took years of work, and any intelligent political party operative should take it very seriously. And later on in the piece, as uh, Keith Spencer of Salon writes, the reason uh, is that nominating centrist Democrats who don't speak to class issues will result in a great swath of voters simply not voting. Conversely, Right-wing candidates who speak to class issues, but who do so by harnessing a false consciousness, for example, blaming migrants and minorities for capitalism's ills, rather than capitalists, will win back those same voters who would have voted for a more class-conscious left candidate. So this is what I've been saying forever, but the data here also backs it up. When you run a candidate that actually speaks to the real issues that people are facing, the class issues that people are facing, then they'll vote for that candidate. They just haven't been given that option. The only option of that that they've been given is a right-wing version of that in Donald Trump, who pretended to care about these issues and acted like the the answer was, or the reason for their situation was because of immigration or because of people who don't look like them. It was all about scaremongering. When we all know, Anybody that knows anything knows the reality of the situation is capitalism and how the system has been rigged against the many 
in favor of the few at the top. So when you actually have a candidate like a Bernie Sanders who has a 40-year record of talking about this, of fighting for these issues, of fighting for real people, and has a strategy in a political revolution to actually address them and get things done, then you have the potential to win with that candidate. So just to end on here, let me uh, play a clip from when Bernie was at this convention talking about Medicare for All, and look at the clear difference in how popular what Bernie is saying compared to what the other candidates uh, were saying. Now, look, people can say, oh, but this is in California. These are diehard uh, Democratic voters in California. Of course, they're going to support these far left policies like Medicare for all. But all you have to do again, look at a poll. The vast majority of Americans, including conservatives, support Medicare for all. The vast majority of Americans, including conservatives, support higher taxes on the rich and large corporations. Go down the list of policies. The vast majority of Americans are on the side of where Bernie is. Everybody understands that money affects politics, that these politicians are largely corrupted by these special interests. So when you have a candidate like a Bernie Sanders who isn't taking any of that money, who isn't having those private fundraisers, is simply run on grassroots organizing and grassroots uh, small small dollar uh, support, then you have a candidate who has the potential to win and completely transform how politics in America is done. The only thing I feel responsible for is I didn't win the nomination because if I won the nomination, I would have defeated Donald Trump. During an interview with Telemundo, Bernie Sanders debunks the idea that he's too far left to defeat Donald Trump. But maybe more importantly, at the end of this clip, he says something that I think people have been wanting him to say for uh, quite a while. Watch. Uh, President Donald Trump has said, has called many Democrats uh, radicals and socialists, and many believe that for the Democrats to go back into the White House, they need to nominate a much more moderate candidate. What do you say to that? I think they're dead wrong. Uh, We tried that in 2016. It didn't quite work. That's why we got Donald Trump. Uh, I think we need a candidate who can clearly defeat Trump, and all of the polling out there has me defeating Trump, Uh, especially in battleground states like Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and others. We're doing very well against Trump. What you need to do to defeat Trump are two things. Number one, you have to energize what I call the democratic base, and that is the African-American community, the Latino community, the young people of this country who are overwhelmingly progressive. You need to get them excited and energized. I think our ideas can do that. Second thing you have to do is go into those states where Trump was strong and he won and explain to Trump's supporters that he lied to them, that he just tried to throw 32 million people off of health insurance. That is not supporting working class people. Do you feel responsible in any way for Hillary Clinton's defeat? 
But some people well, say you divided the No, party. the only thing I feel responsible for is I didn't win the nomination, because if I won the nomination, I would have defeated Donald Trump. Damn. So I'm pretty sure this is the first time that Bernie Sanders has admitted that he thinks he would have defeated Donald Trump. And I completely agree. So if you saw any interviews with him after the election, or even just a few months ago, where he was asked a question like this, he would always say that the farthest he would go is he would say, oh, other people might be saying that, but I don't want to speculate on on who would have won. Right here, he's just coming out and saying it. Yeah, I would have beat him in, in 2016, but we nominated a, uh, a centrist, a moderate, who did not excite the base, who did not excite independent voters, who did not excite non-voters the way that Bernie Sanders would have, and she lost to Donald Trump. Now, again, I mean, you, ha- you have to be fair. Hillary won the, the popular vote, but why was the race even close? I mean, it's Donald Trump. Why was the race close at all? The only reason it was close is because Trump was speaking to some anger. Well, look, he's speaking to some voters that Democrats are never going to get, but he also spoke to a lot of non-voters that saw somebody who wasn't a politician, who was, you know, a lifelong businessman and thought that Trump would be able to offer something different. And they were fooled. Those voters were fooled. But Hillary Clinton could have offered the the real solution on the other side of that that Bernie was offering and she didn't she offered more of the same and didn't excite enough people out to win now it's also there are arguments I hear that have continued on from 2016 that are so easily debunkable but we should continue to debunk them so people understand that Bernie is the best choice this time around like uh oh Bernie couldn't even win the primary against Hillary Clinton in 2016. How could he possibly have defeated Donald Trump? You have to understand how the primary process is different than a general election. During the primary process, there are a lot of closed voting states. Many, in many states, you have to be registered as a Democrat long before you actually vote in the primary. And because Bernie Sanders uh, excited a lot of independents and non-voters, a lot of the people that supported Bernie Sanders were not able to vote for him in their state. So understand, it's a completely different process than the actual general election when American citizens can go out and vote regardless of of party affiliation. Also, let's just take a look. I mean, apart from the fact that Bernie was taking on the Democratic establishment, the the media establishment, and the superdelegate count. So during 2016, all the media, you would see this again and again. Even though the superdelegates had not yet voted for Hillary Clinton, they would count them towards her delegate count when they compared Hillary and Bernie on the same screen. So it always looked like from the beginning that, Ber- that that Hillary had an insurmountable lead above Bernie Sanders, even though those superdelegates had yet to vote. So another example of how the, the cards were stacked against him. But I want to show you, uh, I showed this graph, uh, this graph recently, but I want to show it again, where Bernie Sanders closed a 60-point gap to Hillary Clinton over the course of 2015 and 2016, showing you his mass appeal He went from a a complete unknown to an incredibly popular candidate and a leader in the progressive movement. Now, if there's one mistake, I just want to say, if if there's one mistake that Bernie Sanders made in 2016, I mean, you could mention a few mistakes he he made in terms of um, campaigning, but if there's one real mistake he made, it wasn't starting his campaign earlier. If he had launched at the end of 2014 or even at the beginning of 2015, it may have given him the uh, 
the head start that he needed to really defeat uh, Hillary Clinton in the primary. But I want to go to the last clip here from this interview uh, that I want to share where uh, he's asked about dividing the party. So why you don't think that you've divided the party? Some people are going towards your... Look, look, look. We are taking on the establishment, all right? That's the Democratic establishment. That's the media establishment. That's Wall Street and the drug companies and the insurance companies. We're taking them on. So a lot of people will say a lot of things. Last that I heard, in a democratic society, one is allowed to run for office, that we don't anoint people. I suppose there are some folks out there who say, let's anoint Joe Biden. Why do we have 24 candidates? Well, I don't agree with that. So I'm proud, by the way, that my campaign brought in a whole lot of young people that are helping to transform this country politically, including a lot of Latino youth. So you see this BS line pushed again and again by the mainstream press, and it catches on, just like it caught on here, that the idea that, oh, Bernie Sanders, didn't you divide the party by running against Hillary Clinton? First of all, I mean, exactly what Bernie says here, it's a democracy. You should be able to run. You don't anoint people for a party leader or, or for the presidency. But even apart from that, do you ever hear the media say, well, Hillary divided the party. Hillary divided the party by running as a, essentially a, a conservative campaign. Or Hillary divided the party by sticking with the wealthy and large corporations over actually fighting for people. Have you ever heard anybody in the press say that? No, because their entire careers are based on this idea that they support the establishment, that they work within the establishment. So a lot of people on television in 2016, 2015, supported Hillary Clinton because they would still have jobs afterwards <laughs> because they, there's even a potential for them to work either for the Democratic Party or work for Hillary Clinton. Oftentimes, it was all about their own, uh, their own career. And if it wasn't about their own career, it was simply based on the fact they're in this bubble and everybody in their own bubble, in their millionaire bubble, where everybody else is making a ton of money on television, they all support Hillary Clinton. So yeah, of course she's the best candidate. Not enough of, of the press really got out in the field and understood that Trump had a lot of support and Bernie had a lot of support. And they had support in some ways for similar reasons because of, of, a, of a critique of the establishment, though only Bernie Sanders had the real answer and the real solutions for that problem. Whereas Trump was just fear-mongering. So understand here, there is one clear and obvious candidate that could really defeat uh, Donald Trump. That would, would essentially be the antithesis to Donald Trump in 2020. And that's Bernie Sanders. The loud ones went over there. All you got left are the quiet, racist, right wing nuts, right? So a few months ago, Mark Delahunty, played by the brilliant uh, Mary Walsh at This Hour Has 22 Minutes, interviewed Andrew Shear. And I just recently saw this, and uh, I have to play it because watching Andrew Shear squirm while uh, it's while she exposes exactly what Andrew Shear and the Conservative Party is about is just a joy to watch, and it also sets up a conversation that I want to have about um, Maxime Bernier and the People's Party of Canada. Watch. 
Mr. Shear, oh my God, Mark Delahunty, how are you? Do you know Mark Critch? Congratulations on becoming the next Prime Minister. Well, not really, I know, but basically, hey. Uh, but, uh, uh, my God, isn't it a wonderful time for you to become PM when all the racist right-wing wingnuts have all gone over to Maxime Bernier and all that's left in the party is the quiet. The loud ones went over there. All you got left are the quiet racist right-wing nuts, right? Oh my God, you're just like Stephen Harper, aren't you? Except lacking, of course, Stephen's innate charm and charisma. The poor man, Stephen Harper, uh, but still, you know, a very rich, very white man. All right, so that was quick, but this is what the Conservative Party is now. So because of uh, Maxime Bernier and the People's Party of Canada, which I'll I'll get to in a minute here, um, because of that new Conservative Party that has come up, this Conservative Party now, Andrew Scheer's Conservative Party, is for the quiet racist ones, the quiet bigots. <laughs> and Andrew Scheer is, yeah, essentially a poor man's Stephen Harper. Now... She joked there at the beginning about him becoming the new prime minister, because right now, uh, I'll get to the polls uh, in a bit, show that there's a good chance, if this trend continues, that uh, Andrew Scheer will become the next uh, prime minister. But that might not happen if Maxime Bernier and his People's Party is able to cut a little support away from uh, Andrew Scheer's conservatives. So, if you don't know who Maxime Bernier is, I... uh, I envy you because Maxime Bernier, by all accounts, is not uh, a great person. So let me just give you some examples of what Maxime Bernier has been doing. So he has uh, attacked trans rights, calling uh, trans, uh, the transgender fad uh, promoted by the far left isn't about fighting discrimination anymore. It's a pretext to attack free speech, parental rights, and give government more power over our lives. And of course, he references Jordan Peterson, saying he was absolutely right when he warned us years ago. Yeah, no, he wasn't. Jordan Peterson talked about how people would be thrown in jail if you misgender people, which never happened. But I guess we don't get to have a conversation about that when these conservative so-called intellectuals are wrong about something. Also, from uh, Maxime Bernier here, he has um, he's claimed that he's... Uh, He's he's all for diversity in Canada, but he's not for more diversity. <laughs> this idea where he's attacking multiculturalism, saying how, oh, multiculturalism, if we have more of it, it's going to destroy Canada, even though, I mean, as a nation, much like America, we are built on multiculturalism. So what Maxime Bernier really is speaking to is that he doesn't want less white people. He wants more white people. He wants Canada to be a white nation. That's actually what he means, but I don't think he even really realizes that because that's his view. In his world, Canada is mostly white. So if we have more multiculturalism, well, that's going to ruin what, in his mind, Canada is. Another example of how uh, Maxime Bernier is terrible, he also is against doing anything about climate change. So he tweeted out um, an extremist video from Ezra, uh, Ezra Levant saying Andrew Scheer submits to UN global warming agenda. So, I mean, the only positive thing about this tweet is that he's attacking Andrew Scheer. So that's something you will notice about Maxime Bernier. He does want to try and peel off um, some Andrew Scheer voters or, or some conservative voters. And that's essentially what he'll be doing. I mean, that's where his support is is going to come from. But this idea that he he's against... Uh, working, uh, uh, having a united front uh, against uh, climate change and actually addressing this serious issue. I mean, it shows you just how out of touch Maxime Bernier is. Now, 
let's look at the CBC poll tracker, what it shows us right now. So currently, the Conservatives lead in this poll with 34.4%. Uh, but they are going down. So the Liberals had a, uh, a huge drop off at the beginning of the year through the, uh, the SNC-Lavalin scandal, which kind of exposed the Liberal Party for just being the typical neoliberal party that they are, serving corporate interests over anybody else. But the Conservatives are the exact same. <laughs> so I discussed this when I was uh, covering the SNC-Lavalin scandal. If, uh, the conservative, if it was a conservative government, we never even would have heard about it because they would have given SNC-Lavalin the uh, deferred prosecution agreement that the, that massive company was looking for. So this would be a non-scandal under, uh, under the conservatives, but only because they would be working hand-in-hand uh, -hand with corporate interests. So because there was a dissenter within the Liberal Party uh, in Jody Wilson-Raybould, we actually heard about how powerful these corporations are and their influence on politics. But um, not to get back into that, just uh, looking back at this poll, so... The Greens, surprisingly, are up at 10%. The NDP is down at 16.1%, uh, which is not uh, not good. <laughs> so the NDP is going to have to do a lot more to uh, get some traction before, uh, before the election. But again, in Canada, elections don't really start until three months before the actual vote. So a lot of this can change in that time. But uh, right now, it appears to be a, uh, a race between the Conservatives and uh, the Liberals.